Okay, cool. They're just mad because I can't use them. perspectives I'll tag you in it
Okay. Well. I just want advertisement for plant-based booze. Mm-hmm. And I'm confused because... Isn't booze plant-based? Like, I legitimately am not sure which alcohol comes from something that's not plant-based. Okay. <laughs> slay or you get slay. In this movie, it was slay or be slayed. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Um, since you two now are working from home together. No faith. Ask this tomorrow. Whatever it is. Yep. Ask it tomorrow. <laughs> yep. All I was gonna say is don't eat my peanuts. That's it. Oh, why don't we? What's the peanut report? Me. <laughs> but it's so random. You bought peanuts. Yeah, I've been looking for them. What's and that? I found them at the Asian store. What kind of peanuts? Just regular peanuts. What you mean regular peanuts? Yeah, I'm a blow. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Mina's not gonna do it because the amount of work's too much. You know why? She asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is. That's why she asked. You know why? Because she ate my trail mix. You know why? Because it was just in a bag. All she had to do was open little hands. All she had to do was open it. You know she got little hands. She do got little hands. Listen, really has like just taken this family to horror. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you got to decide this. I'm glad you got to decide this. I'm glad you got to decide this. They're so mean. Oh. Oh, I thought this at Walmart. It definitely been there. You wanna go to Walmart? No, I was looking at these shorts and I was like, oh, these are from Walmart? That's nice. This why wear. I, 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 I oh, stop reading, stop reading it. I kept 
I can't tell you the last time I've gone to Walmart. Um, I don't think I'm ever going back, to be honest. <clears throat> All right. Ashton? Mm-hmm. You talk loud, so I don't think you necessarily need all this. All right. Well, I want to tell you thank you for coming with your rosemary smelling hair. You smell like Little Caesars. No, you smell better than Little Caesars. You smell like Fazoli's. <laughs> Actually, La Cucina. Oh, I've never been. And Luchis. Isn't that a name? I think you. I'm not sure if you're making stuff up now, but it kind of seems like you might be. Okay, well, this tone is getting real. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not sure because I've never been to these places, so maybe they are real. Mm, it'd be like that sometimes. Or maybe they're just really your mind. Right. Well, um, thanks for supporting my <clears throat> hashtag passion project. Heyo. I just want to record all the... Just... <clears throat> I would just want to record your... Th- I'm going to pause one more time because <laughs> I'm going to edit that. Yeah, I just wanted to record one of our many conversations because I feel like I learn a lot um, when we're together. Yeah, I I feel like it's um, an equal give and take. So Mm -hmm. maybe we'll probably both walk away from this with a A little little bit more knowledge. It will be a little bit smarter. Probably. I, I genuinely think that you're my mental sparring partner. Hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Even if. Even if you and I don't disagree on the subject, we still need to hash out our thoughts and feelings on it because we're going to come to the same conclusion. From, but, but two, we're gonna, different, yes. from two different places. Yes. You know, when we first started dating, I thought to myself, do we think, do we have the same conclusions? Because sometimes, I think earlier conversations, we were saying the same things, but to your point, but coming at it from very different starting points. Yeah, I agree. And I think what has been interesting for me um, in our relationship and in a couple of my others is to see that despite like the uniformity of our experience on paper, our worldviews are still pretty, not drastically different, but different enough that we sometimes have completely different logic. Or, you know, knowing me, I might not have any logic at all. Yeah. I genuinely think you're smarter than me, though. Oh, I would disagree. Hmm. Interesting. I know you disagree, but I still disagree. (laughs) (laughs) You just make such cogent arguments all the time. It's pretty impressive. Is it? Mm-hmm. I think that's because there's a lot of rage in this big head. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've had time to really mull over all my thoughts in this space. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> and so by the time they get to get to the public, get they've, been, <laughs> they've been they've been processed they've quite been, a bit. They've been chewed on. No one can see me, but mm-hmm. they know I have a large head. Right. So it's not farm to table. It's like farm to factory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a large grocery chain. Yeah. To table. Large, large grocery chain. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably a large farm. Mm-hmm. Over 100 acres. Are there migrant workers? Yeah, but they're paid fairly. Fair. <laughs> um, but I actually wanted to talk to you about being a plant dad because I've been to your house and it's just full of literal life yeah. besides your fur child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I enjoy taking care of things. Um, and so a part of those things, in addition to my... My four-legged child, um, I also take care of, of many different shades of green children as well. Um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm pushing probably 30, and by the end of the year, I, 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 I kind of have a goal for myself of 50 mm-hmm. within a year. Um, and then I have probably two or three friends who are well over 100, and I don't know if I can... I don't know if I can muster the like I just I just don't know that I care to put that much t- of my day into caring mm-hmm. for plants um to have two three hundred in my house uh but I definitely could see having 50 I also kill enough of them regularly <laughs> enough that uh I always have to get new stuff because being a plant parent is a it's a sad job because mm. plants don't live as long as people do all the time or they could live much much longer <laughs> <laughs> that's true I love it. So how, do, I'm curious though, wait though, tell me about that one plant that you, you're trying to actively kill. Like what's going on with that one? Oh, okay. Is so, it, is, did it come back? No, no. Um, I, I, I think I'm going to answer both of your questions. <laughs> um, the question that you started to ask was how did, what got me to this point and, and what, what is my motivation? Um, I grew up pretty close to my mom and to her mom and both of them are plant parents um and and I can vividly remember my my maternal grandmother saying that a house isn't a home if there's nothing alive in it other than the people Mm. um and just really internalizing that so if you were to look at my house um my sister who lives with me her room um and most of my maternal grandmother's uh grandchildren we all have little plant families uh, scattered throughout the house because it's just something we all grew up with. Um, I started keeping my own plants alive sometime around middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, I started with cacti and succulents, which I am horrible with. I can keep them alive. <laughs> Everybody says that you just put it in a window and water it like once a month and <laughs> somehow or another my once a month watering immediately it dies um so I spent a lot of time in middle school frustrated because I thought I didn't have any sort of a green thumb um and then around high school I had a little bit more success kind of found plants that were one easy to take care of Mm -hmm. and then two like fit my skill level um and then I have I currently have one plant from when I started college. So mm-hmm. what, eight years ago now? 
Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Yes. Yeah. Eight years like, ago. my feelings are really... <laughs> uh, me saying that out loud makes me kind of sick to my stomach. Um, my feelings are <laughs> But yeah, her name is Big Mama. And, <laughs> <laughs> and Big Mama has given many other of my friends pieces of her. Um, and I think that's one of the things that mm-hmm. has been the the best thing about being a plant parent is that you get to share that hobby and and that love with with the people that you care about Mm. I love that that's it makes me think about how it's that's such an interesting legacy to have like because I know your grandmother isn't is no longer here but the impression she left upon you about plants and then being able to I guess, like, propagate them and then give them. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a physical representation of also, like, the emotional, like, spiritual or just the the nurturing that she gave to you as a person. Because mm-hmm. people are also getting um, parts of you that she played a, a big role in informing or influence. And I think that's really cool. Um and you said you had what, like thirty plants? Yeah, I'm at I'm at around thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started off with two. One, one of the well, I had two for the longest. Mm-hmm. Um, and Big Mama was one of them. And then I had another one who, who I will leave unnamed because he was bad. Mm. He just, I got him, and he looked so great. And then for probably six years, he had like two leaves. Mm -hmm. Every year he would grow a new leaf and the old one would die. (laughs) Um, And then I said, you know what? I'm going to try propagating it. Mm -hmm. It, for like two days, looked incredible. I was like, oh, wow, like he's doing so much better. I'm finally going to get this plant back on the right track after years. Um, and then I went in the kitchen one morning and his two little leaves were just laying on the, <laughs> <laughs> laying on the counter he was like, and his stem was at the bottom of his, uh, <laughs> propagation container. And so I said, Oh, he's called it quits. Um, he wanted to get, I think that was, I think that was my most dramatic death because it was, because <laughs> <laughs> it was just carried out over so many years. Uh, but so I've, I've killed that guy. I've killed a couple succulents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've killed a few other plants that, in hindsight, were a little bit more difficult than mm-hmm. what I was probably ready for mm-hmm. um, as, like, a middle school student. Um, and so I don't I don't hold them against me. But it definitely is something that if you are interested in starting the, mm-hmm. the journey of plant parenthood, just be prepared that almost as many plants as you have live, you'll have died. Away. So, like, you recently bought, you did a little plant haul. Mm-hmm. So, what kind of plants did you get, or what kind of plants were you looking for? Yeah, so I have pretty good light in the house. Um, you know, windows on all four sides, which is great. Um, but there are definitely some corners or some walls that are much more interior that just don't get um, strong enough light to have have things like big leafy green plants growing in the middle of the house it's it's very difficult to do if you don't have strong light coming into the middle of the house so i was looking for some low light plants um some plants that in nature would be on the 
on the floor of the tree for uh, a tree forest of uh, all forests are tree forests um <laughs> of the floor of a rainforest mm-hmm. or or maybe growing under a rocky cliff mm-hmm. um so so that when i bring them into the house i can give them similar conditions to what they would experience if they were living in nature mm-hmm. okay that's cool has your air quality changed um, so I was really hoping that it would, that you would mm-hmm. like notice, oh, the air is so fresh in here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was recently, like very recently doing some reading on, on, on what types of plants do purify air. Yeah. And I found that I do have them, but you need them in very, very, very large quantities to actually make a noticeable difference. Mm. Um, so a, a great air purifying plant as a snake plant, also a great plant because you have to actively try to kill that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's going to live. It purifies the air. But I would need like one whole bedroom full of them oh, yeah. to make a difference in the house. That's a lot. Yeah. That's not going to work. Yeah. So I tell myself that it's a little bit fresher. Um, <laughs> you tell yourself. But I don't, I don't think that there's any real difference in the quality. Mm-hmm. Do you know any other like men? that own plants like that keep plants at the in the way that you do or see planting because maybe I'm wrong and it might be an assumption but I before meeting you I didn't know any men really that like actively kept plants and went out of their way to find them and to take care of them Mm. so it's either like their spouse or their significant other who's a female has plants and they enjoy them, but they're not, it's, it's not something that they're actively going out of their way. And so I'm just curious if you think there's anything to that or mm. just your experiences. Mm. Like, do you know people that men who own plants? Yeah. It's the plant dad community is absolutely smaller than the plant mom community. Um, and and so it is difficult to make make like make friends who are who are similar to you on that on those grounds. Um, that said, I am actually really really fortunate in that several of my closer friends do keep plants. Uh, closer male friends do keep some plants. So, um, excuse me, uh, three guys from my fraternity. All our plant dads, um, in addition to myself, uh, we actually have a group text called Plant Dads. Um, and in the group text, you can scroll through and see all the pictures of the different mm-hmm. plants that we find. Or if someone goes to a new nursery or plant store, they'll be like, oh, like I went here and mm-hmm. this is the type of stuff they had. So definitely have a small circle of uh, friends locally who keep plants. Um, and through my journey, I have found and 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 with the help of social media i found some other other men in the in the plants loving community um whom i wouldn't say are my friends Mm -hmm. i don't i don't talk to them um but i definitely do follow them and i definitely do if they have like videos or anything i might i might take a look at them um because i I, I am not uncomfortable watching a a video or following a, a woman or whatever um but I mean, I think there is something to be said about representation and we do like to see ourselves 
reflected in our hobbies and, and it is important mm-hmm. and it has been important for me um, to find other men who are who are interested in in, in this hobby mm-hmm. but I, I would absolutely agree uh, the prevailing group are plant moms mm-hmm. <clears throat> I just yeah when you say that it's interesting because I think about how certain I think you've said this already but like certain hobbies or interests are gendered in ways that I don't know if is actually helpful mm-hmm. um when people are discovering like what relaxes them what relieves them what replenishes them and I just wonder if um plant dads it's just an undervalued like undervalued hobby or underrated hobby i think it really is and so i do not like yard work Mm -hmm. but my dad loves yard work Mm -hmm. um and in fact has even said that in another life might have been a horticulturalist oh that's a tough one Mm -hmm. um but he loves outdoor plants and he loves being in grass. He loves being in the dirt. And for him, he says that this is catharsis. Mm-hmm. Um, and mine is, for me, it is similarly a catharsis. While I don't like cutting the grass, by and large, because I have terrible allergies, um, I do enjoy indoor gardening. And so I think if more men were really to, to sit with themselves and think about the times when they need silence and when they need stillness um and think about the times where they need to to show something care mm-hmm. um i think you probably would see more men who are interested in in planting um i think you also it's a great hobby because it takes up pretty minimal time mm-hmm. um it takes me like five minutes on sundays to water and then that's kind of the only thing i need to do for them just kind of a sit and forget it type of a hobby. So if that is, if that's your, if that's my place of respite, it's not a whole lot of work for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you? What has been your experience with, with caring for, for plants? Ashen, you know. <laughs> So I've, the idea of plants has always been something that I've enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And when I lived kind of by myself, like I lived in a second story of a house, but I still shared it with a couple. Um, Oh, I lived in their house, but Mm -hmm. um, I had like some succulents and somewhat out from research was told easier plants to take care of because at that time I did like I traveled a little bit more than normal for my job at the time and stuff um but I wanted to come back to like a plant or just something else besides me mm-hmm. I did have a hedgehog though R.I.P. noodles um <laughs> and noodles and a plant bless up poor a sparkling water out for the homie (laughs) um but and as i'm speaking i'm looking at another plant that i killed (laughs) and a plant that you saved (laughs) um so i haven't used 
garden much or took care of plants a whole lot. It really hasn't been until meeting you that the desire has rekindled and I like actually want to be good at it. Like I actually I watered my basil today. <laughs> um and it's I could see like I, I saw the pot. Yeah. It perked up. Yep. I brought it in from the inside. It's not flowering yet, so it's You actually not, don't want it to you flower. You don't I know, you don't want it to flower. You taught me that. That if it flowers then it's on its way out mm-hmm. you want it to stay. And I think it's coming to the point where I can pick some leaves off so we can hashtag yeah, probably. Re- is it propagate or regrow? I don't know. Um, so a lot of plants Pruning? do like to be pruned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of plants because in nature you got thunderstorms, you got tornadoes, hurricanes, forest fires, all sorts Animals. of things. Animals. Um, a really old tree falls and takes six other trees down with it. You have all these things that are happening in nature, mm-hmm. um, that are constantly cutting plants back or, mm-hmm. or knocking leaves off, and they really do want that because it encourages them to say, oh. Mm-hmm. Something happened. I need to grow again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so regularly pruning your plants and 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 for basil and for a few other herbs, um, making sure that it doesn't go to flower. Um, so by pulling those flower um, buds off yeah. before they actually bloom, all those things will cont- encourage the plant to continue to produce leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like our bodies plants use energy Mm -hmm. um and so if they are spending all their energy on producing really pretty flowers they're not going to continue to produce leaves for you right um and so if you are hoping to have a leafy plant um definitely make sure that it doesn't flower if you are hoping to have a uh a plant that instead of that like think about like a vining plant Mm -hmm. so instead of having a really long skinny vine if you Mm -hmm. wanted to have a bunch of leaves kind of clustered you want to just cut that vine back whenever it starts to grow and the plant will continue to push out more leaves from the center Mm -hmm. Um, but if you let it it's going to do what it does naturally um which is trailing and vine you're so smart Mm, a lot of that is just trial and error yeah that's smart you know Mm -hmm. or not okay this might be a stretch okay (laughs) Just bear with me, I'm though. I'm with you. I'm buckled up. I'm ready, ready for the ride. ready? in? Yep, yep. <laughs> so, when you're talking about pruning, and kind of like in nature, there is, I guess, natural selection. Is that what you would say? Sure. Yeah. So, something that, you know, I guess I'm just going to say it. So when it comes to plants and how, okay, yeah, we see that in nature that like natural selection will take place when a tree falls or all these other things and how it's important to like prune or take care of it in that way. Can you see parallels to that and how, and, and like the consumption of meat? (laughs) I know this seems like really left, but I keep thinking about like veganism I've been thinking a lot about veganism or like plant-based lifestyles or just things that can help mitigate like our impact Mm -hmm, on the environment. mm -hmm, mm, Okay. Okay. And so when I think in nature, how like that happens with plants, um, so is, 
is there a case within veganism or I guess for a plant-based lifestyle saying that like that we consume too much of meat because what if like cows just birth mm-hmm. oh so you're saying if we didn't control like mm-hmm. the cow population and we just allowed them mm-hmm. um, or does that bleed into like consumerism and like uh abusing the environment yeah i actually think it probably more of the latter okay um and i'm if i'm thinking ecologically ecologically i'm not 100 percent sure of the pronunciation of that word neither am i um and i'm thinking about the carrying capacity mm-hmm. or the the number of organisms a, a space can can hold um most cow farms are probably well over the carrying capacity for mm-hmm. for those cows, which is why farmers need to bring in hay. They have to bring mm-hmm. in cornmeal. They have to bring in all these other things that they feed the cows because mm-hmm. there's not actually enough grass there for them. Mm-hmm. So in my in my head and with my with, with the thinking that I have going on right now, my answer is if we were to all stop eating meat, mm-hmm. yeah, there would be a bunch of dead cows and that would be gross. Mm-hmm. But after a while that number would would cut off and it would plateau because all of the sick cows that shouldn't be alive anyways Mm -hmm. that we shouldn't be eating anyways Mm -hmm. would die um all of those cows that have been forced to breed seven eight nine times when they wanted to stop at two just so that they would continue to produce milk Mm -hmm. they would die um and a lot of the and a lot of the kind of excess Mm -hmm. would would go away and then we could have, a, I guess, a free-roaming cattle population. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as an American, we struggle with that because when we look at the pictures that are produced of countries like India, mm-hmm. we see cows that are just roaming free mm-hmm. and these large animals that are just roaming free as a nuisance. Mm-hmm. Why would you let that happen? Mm-hmm. You, you see the monkeys that they have mm-hmm. just all over everywhere. Why would you let that happen? That's a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, that is by and large because of American, not Americans, of because of humans encroaching mm-hmm. on on their on their spaces, their spaces yeah. instead of instead of us just Living doing work. what we have mm-hmm. with the spaces that we've been given. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, yeah, that's a good point. Plus, I don't know if we use a whole animal like we mm. previously have, or I'm thinking of it from as like being a Nigerian as well. Like when a you kill a goat or you kill a cow. Like every absolutely everything gets used, mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily know if that's the case within, I guess, the American environment and the way that we consume meat. But that makes sense because I've I've been to India and you, you'll be driving in there, legitimately just cows. I mean, that said, I'm from the middle of nowhere, South Carolina, and mm-hmm. you will be driving and there'll be just cows, mm-hmm. and you'll say man the farmer's fence is down again mm-hmm. and you either honk the horn and hope the cows don't charge your car or you turn around and go a different way mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mean so not on the same scale but i've definitely mm-hmm. dealt with cows being in the path like kind of regularly mm-hmm. um and it is not not a detriment to my lifestyle mm-hmm. do you th- is your love of plants or enjoyment of plants as a hobby or as an extension of kind of how you like would like to posture yourself in the world do you think that affects your diet like that you are more plant-based than mm-hmm. has that changed as you have known understood more about plants 
and just the environment? Yes. So I, in high school, I gave up eating meat completely. Mm. Um, and I lived as a vegetarian for four and a half years. Um, and, and that actually, I would say was, it was the period of my greatest, like my greatest awakening into my like plant hobby Mm -hmm. was when I decided to, to move away from, from consuming meat. Um, I learned a lot about what it means for plants to be genetically modified. I learned a lot about what it means for, for plants to go to waste. So thinking even more, especially now during during the times of COVID when we don't have farmers to mm-hmm. pick some of these plants. What, what is happening and what does that mean? Um, and yes, it's a renewable resource, but mm-hmm. not that quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what is that going to look like and how, how do you combat food shortages and how do you store plants for longer? Um, so definitely asked all of those questions. Uh, and, and I think by and large, my understanding of plants has also turned me away from eating a whole, whole lot of meat. Um, because I can, I can acknowledge and I can see if I want vitamins, if I want minerals, if I want protein, if I want carbohydrates, if I want sugar, if I want most of the food groups that I need, Mm -hmm. that can be accomplished through plants. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then meat is actually serving a very small fat. It's really the only thing that it's providing for me in my diet. Um, and so I would say that my diet is l- not as Western as some mm-hmm. in that I don't, I don't eat meat with every meal. It doesn't hurt me to not eat meat for a day or two or three. Um, and it is a, it is a conscious health choice and a conscious um, sustainability choice and mm-hmm. a conscious um, health of other creatures choice. I don't want to make it about race, but sometimes it's it's really hard it's not to. It's like <laughs> it's it's, it ends up there. playing a role. So I'm also curious, like. as a person, as a black person, then, like, I see, it's interesting because when I look in media or what is being, what I'm being given or what I'm seeing is, like, um, a resurgence or this push of, like, a, like, plant-based lifestyle or veganism, um, or, like, being a flexitarian, um, and I think that's, good and mindful of like the to be mindful of the world you know and Mm -hmm. and what you're using and what you're eating and Mm -hmm. what you're putting in your Mm -hmm. body and just not eating it just because that's what you ate you've always eaten but are you eating it because your body feels good afterwards or it feels like it can function i just i'm curious though as a black man like you don't you also don't see this adoption of a more plant-based lifestyle or if, or if it is, it's the imaging makes it seem like it's not there. But mm-hmm. I, I, when I re- actually reflect on my actual experiences, I've actually met a lot of people of color that are plant based. Yeah, like I, are vegan. I don't know if I'm asking a question, but I guess I'm thinking out loud of yeah, like, do you? So I think I think actually 
for both caring for plants, mm-hmm. gardening, um, indoor gardening, whatever. Um, I think lots of black people and black and brown people have always done this. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I think about um, vegan or plant-based lifestyles, there are lots of black and brown people who have who culturally don't already, eat meat and yeah. have been doing this for a very, very long time. So I do think that I, I really think the difference is we just don't Instagram it. Mm-hmm. I, I think the difference is we are leaning into a part of us already mm-hmm. and therefore don't need to make it a public statement. It doesn't have to be something that we we acknowledge or celebrate. Mm-hmm. It doesn't surprise me when I run into a black person who says that they don't eat meat. Mm-hmm. It doesn't surprise me when I run into a black person who says I'm working on becoming more plant-based because to me as a black person plants and a connection to the earth really do seem primal. It doesn't seem like something I ever needed to learn. It seems like something that is just ingrained in... Like an innate sense, mm-hmm. an innate sense of being? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I am innately... I, we are innately connected to to the earth and, and, we, and, we, and we can feel that through our caring and, mm-hmm. and, and love for plants and through our care and love for, for earth's creatures. Hmm. So then I'm like, then what about, hmm. so then you do think it's just imaging? Because when I scroll on Instagram or I'm on Facebook, the people that I see that are talking about veganism and plant-based lifestyles and all these other things, are they're not black and they're not brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, maybe perfect example. Growing up, we used to eat collards a lot because it's a part of Nigerian food when you're making like guete, if you're making a goosey soup, like there's a lot of different mm-hmm. meals that mm-hmm. incorporate like collards and cabbage and, and like some of them were cheaper stock veggies that give you, you know, a good bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. Kale, for example. A bunch of collards is going to feed a family of four for a week. Mm-hmm. No, it does. Like, um, and that's, and I think about growing up, like, we did eat meat because, like, meat was somewhat special. Mm-hmm. But I, but by and large, like, the diet was really, like, plant-based and, like, starch-heavy mm-hmm. and was mm-hmm. in the Nigerian diet, which was reflective of my heritage and the Nigerian diet is largely that because it's not like you're eating meat all the time because you can't. Yep. Um, and when you do eat meat, you're eating everything. But I, slight digression. I just, but going to the grocery store and like kale somehow became expensive when like it wasn't, you know, and. Collards are becoming a boutique vegetable when, it's <laughs> when never... black people in the South have been making collards for dirt cheap. Forever. For the last four years, yeah. And and perhaps not in a vegan way, but they used what they had, which is very also, it's also reminiscent of how a Nigerian would eat collards, which is to use, if you're going to cook it, you're going to use every part in order to eat it. And so I just maybe interject or tell me if you don't see it too, but it's like this doubleness of one implicitly like dismissing the diet of the black or brown person Mm. 
while also hijacking the things that they've always used to that they've incorporated in their diet and making it like a superfood or health food when like a superfood doesn't make sense when there's like a variety of different ways that you can get nutrients Mm -hmm. yeah depending on ancient grains aren't aren't actually that like special they're just not grown in the united states correct and And so people have been eating them for for forever which is why they're ancient grains yeah and so i wonder like Mm. i just wonder how does that work do you does that make sense yeah how does that like how does that in my head the the word that came to mind first was appropriation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure that you can appropriate a diet. Um, but I think what is being appropriated and what, what other folks are trying to celebrate is a recognition of humane treatment. Hmm. Um, so when you talk about using all of an animal, mm-hmm. it was one to eliminate waste mm-hmm. and two, because you recognize that that animal suffered when it died. Mm-hmm. And while you might not be a goat, you mm-hmm. might not be a cow, mm-hmm. you can recognize suffering and mm-hmm. you can feel that because it is mm-hmm. a innate part of your existence as well. Mm-hmm. And so when black and brown folks choose to kill an animal, we acknowledge this animal died for me to continue to live. I'm going to honor its life by, by using all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we, because we have always felt a connection, because we have always been able to see the the sentience mm-hmm. in other in other animal species um i think we also put that value on consuming meat it is something special because i am eating another living breathing bloody life mm-hmm. i can't do this flippantly and i shouldn't do it flippantly i should i should recognize where it came from and what it had to lose mm. for me to be able to have this meal um whereas for for a lot of other people who are just now coming to a plant-based lifestyle, they're also just now coming to that, I am connected to others. I am connected to mm. to something else. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is what is being glamorized. Look, I'm so great because I, I treat cows mm. humanely. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm so great because I don't want to eat mm-hmm. Purdue chicken. Mm-hmm. Um and so that to me is what is actually being co-opted not necessarily the diet but mm-hmm. the, the connection to okay yeah to, to that makes others. sense that makes sense that's a really good point do you see that then more so in like or i'm thinking because i do i can anecdotally think of black and brown people that that have that understanding of when they're eating food, mm-hmm. meat and what kind of meat they eat and why they choose to mm-hmm. if they do eat meat but then i also think of like the white people i grew up with that live on farms mm-hmm. you know um yeah that they, they they eat everything like i can think of one family in particular i'd like live with them for a summer and they ate everything like they just they they just ate everything mm. and and so I do I I can see that across I guess race and cultures but I I definitely see it more I think if you look within middle class though mm, I think if you look to stratify 
within race. So mm-hmm. if we're talking about within white people, why mm-hmm. why might they choose to eat all of a cow or not? Mm-hmm. The friend you had who lived on the farm, they want to eat that whole cow because they know how difficult it was to kill that cow. Mm-hmm. They know how difficult it was to raise that cow. But if all I have to do is go to the local grocery store, go to wherever sells meat and pick up a pack of defaced, de-skinned, de-animalized mm-hmm. meat. I'm just picking up a pink package and I'm just going to scan it and move on. Mm-hmm. And for $7, I got whatever meat I want. And so mm-hmm. I am comfortable saying, oh, I only want chicken breast. Or I am comfortable saying, oh, I only want mm-hmm. uh, top sirloin. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rest of the cow can go screw itself or the rest of the chicken can go in the trash because mm-hmm. I got what I wanted. I, I got what I wanted yeah. very easily and very conveniently. Yeah. Hmm. Do you think that play, this plays a role into like environmental racism? <laughs> um, I think environmental racism is one of the most insidious forms of racism because it, <laughs> it, it <Yikes>. truthfully <laughs> is everywhere. Um, Uh, I think I actually, I've mentioned this to you before, but I listened to a podcast um, from NPR called Code Switch, and one of their, like, go-to lines is environmental racism is everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is, and and, and their argument is it is also the basis for most of the other forms of racism that we see and experience. Mm. Um, So when we think about the way that black and brown people have been separated from from healthy foods mm-hmm. or from sustainable foods or from mm-hmm. potable water. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, that changes our diet. Has, it, it, we have no choice but to adapt. Hmm. And this might be a stretch because, like, as you're saying that, it makes me think of, like, yes, like, there aren't necessarily food deserts because they've there's just been a they've been stripped the access like mm-hmm. black and brown communities have been stripped access to their innate ways of being that involve plants that involve animals that involve other forms of of being besides themselves so i i can see how then if you put them in places where they only have access to like fast food or and then make it illegal for them to create their own food sources mm-hmm. so like i guess so then that would be urban gardens like which has gotten popular with who black people Mm-mm. or brown people oh so it got popularized by white people yeah white people love oh urban gardening mm-hmm. urban garden this my window still garden blah, blah blah when the black people who lived in the neighborhoods that they have now moved into mm-hmm. again um have been begging wow. to yeah. keep a chicken yeah have been begging yeah to grow some green beans or some corn in the back yeah please let me use my roof or my fire escape to grow, to grow some squash. Yeah. Illegal. Yeah. But now white folks want to move back downtown. Oh, I want, want I want my food. farm to table feel, yeah. but I don't want to live in the country anymore. Yeah. So we need urban farming. No, I'm not kidding. So I went to one grocery store in Lexington and they had clip your own herbs. <laughs> like you could clip your own herbs. Uh-huh. And then it was like $2 when I'm like, that's really expensive. And... That area, I'm not joking, that area, wow, how old am I now? So prior to going to college, so maybe that was like 12, 
12 years ago. <laughs> yeah, because you went to college a long time ago. We just I didn't go that long ago, ago but it feels like, but like 12 years ago, black people lived there. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> like none of that stuff was there. I just find that really interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I think one of... As much as I actually do love urban gardening, mm-hmm. I love sustain. I like please, <coughs> please garden for sus- sustenance. Like mm-hmm. I, th- I think one of my big goals um, for myself is to is to be able to grow fifty percent of the vegetables that I eat mm-hmm. myself. Um, one because, like I've mentioned, growing a plant is not all that hard. Mm-hmm. You just got to give it the right amount of sun and the right amount of water, and it's literally gonna do all the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some new dirt every once in a while, but that's like a a once a year thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I would love to be able to grow my own, my own fruits and vegetables. So I'm not dissing urban gardening. I'm dissing like the popularization of Mm -hmm. urban gardening when it was criminalized with, it, it was both criminalized and decriminalized within our generation. Right. Right. That makes sense. Cause my great grandmother lived in downtown st louis and she's always had chickens mm-hmm. in the middle of downtown there was always some chickens and i remember around 10 that became illegal mm. and she was like i don't want to go about and buy eggs every week and because i've always had eggs in my backyard for, for free um and so i think we have been very very systematically removed from that privilege of producing our own foods that are healthy and that are sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I actually off off of the mic, not off camera, I guess, off mic. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a conversation a week ago or so now um, about another podcast I was listening to about environmental racism, <laughs> <laughs> and um, this is it's from the intersectionality series from NPR, um, and one woman was recounting a story of of calling a black neighborhood a food desert. Mm-hmm. Um, an elder woman in the community said, please don't refer to it as that um, because a food desert assumes that we don't have the knowledge and the ability to do this for ourselves, but we have been systematically mm-hmm. kept from doing so. Mm. Um, you and I have both alluded to it is it is in, in our blackness to be able to care for things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do know how to take care of plants and we do know how to take care of animals and we do have the skills. Mm-hmm. We just have to be given the access. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty powerful because it does make me think about like particularly for people that are black and brown, like the reason why they don't they're not able to do these things for themselves is because they've been denied to be able to learn and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and so, but it's somewhat interesting that if someone who's not black or brown wants to try and, ex- and, you know, experiment on urban gardening or, or being able to find ways to sustainably take care of themselves, um, there's less hurdles involved, mm-hmm. you know? But I do think then, like, it makes you think, going back to you having plants, like, that is a form of life-giving resistance, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to take care of plants. Because there are, there are ways that you are learning how to take care of plants and 
or just like help like facilitate growth you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. facilitating growth and you be able to do that in other ways because like cosmically and then also just like interpersonally or intrapersonally like there's a lot to learn from taking care of plants rather than it just being pretty and a good pastime yeah instagram worthy photos yeah i something that i i just thought of um and not to not a total digression um but something i just thought of was was really how black people came to be in this country in the first place Mm. and by and large it was because of our our planting acumen when when slave traders went to the Ivory Coast and when they went to the coast of Senegal mm. and they saw rice paddies and they saw huge, well-operating farms, mm. they said, oh, we need these people. Mm-hmm. And so most black people in this country were brought here because of our ability to take care of, take care of plants and to take care of farm animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is something that I, I really do feel is deeply ingrained in in who we are as a people, um, whether by force or by choice. Yeah, which is also interesting because you also with like First Nations or Indigenous people, Indigenous Americans, um, they weren't able to be used as slaves because they knew the, the land so well. Mm-hmm. So they would always escape. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, well, we need people that are agriculturally minded that don't know where they are. And that's where you get the black body mm-hmm. in this. Um, but which the is... corn we all enjoy today was, <laughs> was genetically mm-hmm. modified way before anyone knew the word genetics mm-hmm. has been genetically modified by First Nations folks and people who are indigenous to the United States territory. Mm-hmm. and completely forgotten about, yeah. not even acknowledged. It's just so interesting to see how, like, I think First Nations, or I guess Indigenous and Black, now Black Americans, um, like, heritage of taking care of plants, of land, and of people is, like, undermined and then reintroduced. Mm-hmm. As if it's a new concept. Mm-hmm. And is even a new concept to like black black Americans and to First Nations. Mm-hmm. Like I just find that really interesting to see. <laughs> I just I just I don't know how what else to say than like that's Yeah, you're selling you're selling our products back to us mm-hmm. because you took it from us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I want to make the note that I mean that structurally. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see that on an individual basis, not as frequently as understanding that it's a, a part of a system. Yeah, I, I think I think these are systems that white folks have a very, very difficult time seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think a lot of black people and a lot of brown people and a lot of indigenous people have a difficult time putting the language to them. Mm. Um, when we think about environmental racism, we normally think about Flint, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, we normally think about the state of Mississippi, the state of Alabama. Um, we normally point to... Doesn't Puerto Rico count? I mean, when the president of the country that you are 
sort of a part of comes and throws paper towels after a hurricane <laughs> i would say that environmental racism is alive and well <laughs> instead of any actual resources he literally threw rolls of toilet i mean not toilet paper that, paper towels toilet it's paper might be now, same thing. but now with covid toilet paper actually might have been a benefit um uh, yikes uh but to to parse out how environmental racism shows up in things like urban gardening mm-hmm. um how it shows up in things like the number of trees that line the streets in your neighborhood mm-hmm. um that is a much more difficult much more difficult thing to observe mm-hmm. um and i think it's difficult to observe because we've we've very purposefully not collected data on it mm. um I'm going to mention another podcast one more time, <laughs> um, but a podcast I was listening to recently was about black data and black data and the name of it was Black Data Matters. Um, and they were talking about how we can't observe and we can't discuss these intersections because by and large, we refuse to collect the data. Mm. Um, we will readily collect on gender will readily collect on age um we might even go so far as to say zip code Hmm. but when it comes to actually having the box for race and then looking at that box for race normally statistics statisticians don't do that we didn't know how covid was impacting impacting black and brown communities until three months in Because we begged, please, please, we know we're dying at higher rates. Mm-hmm. Please look at it. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, you guys are dying at higher rates. That's mm-hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so because because this is a narrative that if you are not actively seeking it, mm-hmm. it's not going to present itself to you. Mm-hmm. I think it's difficult for white people to see this as a system, mm-hmm. environmental environmental racism or, or, or zoning as a system. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's difficult for black people to look and say, my neighborhood is not like that neighborhood mm. and I'm not sure why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's true. Wow. That was a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. Um, <laughs> and it's one that makes you so sad because it's like outside is for everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm. Outside is for everyone. There is no Mother Nature never gave us a like. You can live over here and you can you live can over here. Yeah. Mother Nature said, "This is what you got. Mm-hmm. Divvy it up amongst yourselves." And we've not done a very good job of divvying that, divvying what she's given us in a way that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. Oh, I'm about to get onto another. This is going to be a whole other. <laughs> we would have to go into another podcast. So I'm going to get in a soapbox on how white supremacist culture is killing all of us. But <laughs> we'll save that for another day. This has to be another day. <laughs> we'll save I that for another day. I don't know if day. anyone who listens to here even knows what white supremacy is. Oh. That's... Or agrees that it exists. Oh. Well. That's a whole other thing. That's yeah. That's another podcast. Let's just put a bookmark in it. And yeah, I will have you again because as I figure out my life, you know, conversations that we have, we can have a 
again. Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel like all of your listeners are probably like, oh my gosh, a boyfriend-girlfriend podcast? Like, whack. Um, but hey, listen, these are the conversations that we have anyway. every day. <laughs> so now it's just being recorded. Pretty much. Um, I mean, I'm not opposed, but... No, I don't want to be on your podcast every day. I don't... Well, thank episode. you, I was going to say that too. Because I like you, and I want to... This is your thing. Yeah, it's my it's my pet project. It's really just so I can record any conversation or record again a conversation I've had with someone that I'm like, wow, there are a lot of good nuggets, but I didn't record the conversation, so I can't go back and listen to it. Also, I think this will this will publicly show that I don't necessarily know a whole lot. I just know a lot of people who know a lot. That's where my intelligence comes from. I'm like 90% sure. But isn't there an amount of intelligence and self-awareness that has to come to, into play to say... I don't know. I, I don't know, and because I don't know, I need to find people who do. Hmm, sure, I guess. I'll take it. Yeah. There's your gold star. What? Ooh, thanks. <laughs> yep. That's all I got for you. That's a gold all... star. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but I didn't. I do want to say thank you for sitting down with me and being my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I want to say thanks for, I guess, being my friend. I mean, you're not always that friendly to me, but... What? <laughs> I'm, like, super friendly. I'm not going to tell your your listeners that you're a bully, but... I'm not a bully. I've I take been... care of you. I legitimately take care of you. Who's going to take care of you better than me? Besides Jesus. Well, my plant certainly won't. <laughs> exactly. I'm just and saying, my dog won't. Yeah, my dog won't Simba either. straight up looked at you like... Um, Right, he he'll lay next to me, but mm-hmm. he's not gonna do anything to keep me alive. Um, I want to thank you for inviting me to talk about two things that are very close to my heart. Um, that is plants and environmental racism. Um, yeah. I get I get heated more about environmental racism, but I could get heated over a plant. I could get heated about a lot of things. You can. <laughs> you can. Uh, I have a, a long fuse, but once you set it off, it's, it's uh oh. Like, <laughs> uh, and I, I want to thank you for for sharing your your podcast with me. I want to thank you for being invited. Um, I really do. F- I feel honored to be a part of a part of this project, and to to share the stage with the likes of the in- incredible and intelligent people that you are going to that you're going to interview wow thank you that means a lot it really does i appreciate it and i know you're my boyfriend but you really are my friend too and i i really appreciate your friendship yeah i don't you know? think we would i don't think we would still be dating if we weren't friends um yeah i agree i didn't this might be for another podcast too I don't know that I knew how how important it would be to say that my partner is my friend mm-hmm. um, but I have grown to realize that partner in crime partner in, in passion and partner in <laughs> <laughs> partner in thought all of those things are equally important and if so if we can't be friends oh no Bye. <laughs> it's a three legged stool and so if that friend leg goes <laughs> you on your face <laughs>
You can edit this out. Are you sure? Because I think I'm like, <laughs> you don't have to. That's but you can. so funny. That means a lot. No, it really does. Because I just, I really admire the way you move through, how you move through the world um, and your posture. I think you do a really great job of caring for anyone that comes across your path, whether you go out of your way to find them like a plant or they come to you. <laughs> kind of like my dog. Kind of like your dog. <laughs> so I, I just, I really did want to talk to you because I, I do learn a lot by talking with you about stuff and it makes me sharper and makes you think a little bit deeper and, and I maybe have... So, and I don't think you mind answering a lot of questions because you also ask a ton of questions. I do. I I held my I held it together for this. Yeah, because I feel like you're gonna ask me questions. I thought you were, and I was. But then ex- I said I was really I'm expecting. not the interviewer. <laughs> well, I was fully expecting for you to ask a question because it's a conversation, not me just like interviewing you. Because it's not an interview. It's just like, oh, I want to talk. Fair. In front of a microphone, but it's okay. We can have another. Okay. What were you gonna ask me? What What was I gonna ask you? Yeah. Um. Oh, you don't remember anymore, do you? That's not true. Um, so I asked you what your experience is with plants, mm-hmm. um, and then you alluded to that you would like to get into it more. And so I was going to ask, you know, just what type of things would you like to plant? What type of things would you like to care for? Oh, well, I already told you off mic. Mm-hmm. I've already told you. And also, I'm fully expecting that as you propagate plants that I also get them and that you also teach me. Oh, well, I mean, it is it is very much my expectation that... <laughs> I will also become that, a plant person. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I've already scoped out the windows of the house. I've already scoped mm-hmm. out... Like, where plants are going to go in my mm-hmm. house. And yeah. what types of plants will do well where. So, it is, yeah. it's on my radar. They're on the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they are. And, That's why I haven't bought plants. And I also know what your skill level is. <laughs> Stop! And, I, <laughs> and I'm going to match it. Stop, but, like, you got to give me room to grow. Yeah. I because mean, look at the basil. Doing great. Thank you. And most plants are going to grow. Like, most plants are actually not as hard as people make them out to be. Just lay that. back on the watering and you'll probably be fine. <laughs> That's true for everybody. You so just rude. pull back on the watering just a little bit and they'll probably be okay. Dude, I'm so over you. <laughs> Bye. Oh, no, don't leave. <laughs> just kidding. But I'm going to stop recording. Okay. But I love you.